What's up, cyber and crypto folks? This is the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. Today is April the 19th of 2019. This is episode 68 of our podcast. Sorry, there's been a little break in my podcasting here lately. I got sick, and then, uh, of course, the wife and kid got sick. So one thing after another and ended up getting sick a second time as well. So it's been a hell of a couple of weeks here for me, but back in the saddle and things are good now. All kinds of fun stuff over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to try to keep it as recent as I can here and not go back too far. We're going to talk a little bit about Instagram, which is also Facebook and what they did. Also going to talk about a new bill that the government's trying to pass uh, regarding data breaches. Talk a little bit about Apache, a Microsoft Outlook email hack, the new Microsoft framework, and Amazon. On the crypto side, gonna talk about Coinbase and a couple of new things they're doing. Gonna talk about Albertsons. Also gonna talk about the Department of Energy. Gonna talk about a Korean exchange that got closed. And we're also gonna talk a little bit about Bittrex and their application for a bit license. So we got a lot to get to here. I'll start in cybersecurity. I don't know if you've seen this or not. You probably have. This news came out a couple of days ago, but Facebook slash Instagram stored passwords in plain text. So this is just yet another bad thing for Facebook. It's like the punches just keep coming. I don't think that they understand how bad this makes them look to, you know, privacy-minded people. Now, of course, a lot of people just don't care, and they get on there either way, and they could give a crap. But for those of us that do care, these kinds of things are, they all add up to a service that I would never use. I mean, it is just one thing after another, so that's another bad one for them. So thank you, Instagram slash Facebook. Uh, typically, if you have a Facebook account, I think they, well, they, I don't know if they give you an Instagram account, but they integrate the two now since Facebook owns Instagram. All right, some other news here about a bill that's trying to get passed in the government. I thought this was interesting, mostly because I can't imagine this actually getting passed. So essentially, the bill says that called the Warren Bill, by the way. It would send executives to jail for a data breach. Could you imagine that? So like the CEO of a company could do a year in jail if the company has a data breach. So that right there is crazy. I I, I don't know if this will ever happen, if it'll ever get passed. Certainly something I'm going to be watching because I think it should be passed. This is definitely a big thing nowadays, and these massive corporations that are getting hacked all the time and exposing our information, somebody should be held responsible. Um, you know, you can think about Experian and their massive breach. I mean, that that's a huge company, and then who was responsible? Who, you know, who had to take the hit for it? Nobody, really, other than the people whose information got leaked. So this would certainly put some accountability on somebody at the company. So this is certainly interesting. I'm going to be watching that over the next couple months and see where that one ends up. All right, some other news here about Apache Tomcat. There's a new security flaw that allows remote code execution. So I know a lot of folks use Apache web servers. So if you haven't already, make sure you get out there and, and patch your Apache. All right, some other news here. The hacker news reported on this one, and it's it's about 
how hackers compromised Microsoft support agent uh, to access Outlook email accounts. So anybody that has a Hotmail account or an Outlook.com account, your information potentially could have been accessed. Microsoft has sent out notifications to all the people that were affected, but there was about a two-month window from the 1st of January to March 28th that your information could have been read by a third party that you didn't allow. So that was kind of crazy. They, I don't know how they did it, but they breached their customer support portal, Microsoft's customer support portal, and they accessed information related to email accounts and registered with the company's Outlook service. So, you know, this is all over Reddit as well. All the people that uh, have had these notices sent to them by Microsoft about their accounts being potentially hacked and whatnot. But the attackers essentially, looks like here, they compromised credentials for one of Microsoft's customer support agents. And then they used it to gain unauthorized access to some information related to the affected accounts but not the content of the emails or attachments. So I guess that's kind of the twist in this. So when something like this happens, two-factor is out the window because Microsoft has these support accounts that allow them to get a window into your account so they can help you, right? But when one of those support accounts gets compromised, hackers can then use that same window to view information in your account. So I guess the good news out of this at least according to Microsoft, is they can't see the content of the emails. So that's good. And they also say in their statement that they have no indication why that information was viewed or how it may have been used. So they gathered account-related information. So whatever information you give them when you very first sign up for Outlook or Hotmail, that would be the information these guys were getting. And they could also see, like, the people you communicate with the most, email addresses and whatnot. And if you think about that aspect, they could use those email addresses and names of people that you communicate with the most and target you with a phishing email, making it look like it's coming from somebody that you email frequently. So anyway, that was a pretty interesting story there. They, uh, they got one of those support agent accounts and were able to get into Outlook and Hotmail accounts. But if you were affected, you should have already seen an email from Microsoft telling you all about it. If you were not affected, then you did not get this email. All right, some more news here about Microsoft. Microsoft recently published what they call their SecCon framework for securing Windows 10. It's about damn time really, but I kind of laugh at their attempt of securing their own operating system because if you read through it, it's it's very vague and really doesn't give you a whole bunch, at least so far. I'm sure it's in its infancy right now, but if you want to get a good hardening guide, you can look at uh, DISA and their STIGs, DISA STIGs. Those are great hardening guides, and they walk you through step-by-step step how to harden Windows 10. But Microsoft created this scale, if you will, of protection that you can implement on your systems. A scale of one to five, five being the most critical, one being the least critical. But anyway, it's in its infancy there, but maybe we'll see some some better additions to that framework as they continue to build it out there. All right, the last thing in cybersecurity is about Amazon and their Alexa devices, Alexa-enabled devices, their smart speakers, all that good stuff. Well, I think we all kind of knew this was coming, but yes, Amazon is listening to you. 
and they say that they do it for quality control and make sure Alexa's better and make sure that it can understand you better and blah, 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 blah. They take privacy seriously. Okay, sure. The fact of the matter is they're still listening to you. And that's, that's creepy, really. Now, if you do have one of these devices, there is a mute button on it that you can at least press. And hopefully that mute button's working. I don't know. I mean, heck, maybe it's not. But you can mute the device. Same thing on the Google Home. You can mute those devices as well if you feel like they're listening to you. Or just unplug them if you feel like they're listening to you. But the majority of us that have smart home tech use Alexa or the Google Home. And, you know, we want to use those voice commands to turn things on and off and make it convenient. So I don't know if people will be willing to live with the fact that they're listening. You know, people that are like, I don't have anything to hide. And yeah, that's fine. I, I don't either. But I still don't want them listening into everything I'm saying. It's still not right. But anyway, I think we all saw that one coming. But now it's actually been confirmed. All right, hopping over to cryptocurrency Coinbase. We got a couple of things about them here recently. They have issued their very first Visa credit card that you can use with your Coinbase account. It takes the funds directly out of your Coinbase account using a Visa card. So that's kind of cool. You can already buy Bitcoin and whatnot with a Visa card, a debit card, Visa debit card, whatever it is, or a MasterCard debit card. So, hey, why not be able to spend it on one, too, rather than hoping that whatever store you're at accepts Bitcoin. So that's cool. If you got a bunch of funds in there, you can use that Visa card. All right, some other news here about Coinbase. They expanded some of their crypto-to-crypto crypto trading in 11 more countries throughout the world. So that's good news for everybody. More people in on the Bitcoin and crypto markets means more influx and more money in general. So that's certainly great news, too. Bitcoin has been on the rise, slowly but surely. We're hovering around 5200 today. It's been kind of floating between 5000 and 5200 It's gone up to as high as 5300 but the median is 5200 bucks for a Bitcoin. So it's certainly up higher than it was a month ago, and that's certainly great news. And with more people getting into the crypto space and all these other 11 countries, you could see that price go up a little bit more. Obviously yet to be seen, but we'll see what happens there. All right, some other blockchain news. Albertsons, the grocery store, they are going to start using blockchain tech. So they've already signed up with IBM, and IBM has a product called Food Trust. It's a blockchain-based uh, tracking system. So Albertsons is going to test this system uh, using romaine lettuce specifically and track it from farm to store apparently romaine lettuce goes bad like super quickly and that's why they're trying to track it and make sure that you know it's fresh and all that good stuff when they get it so that'll be interesting to see the results of that albertson's did say that they would expand it if they felt that there was enough value in it so i wonder what what else you could do like with customers like how could you show that to the customer too so that'll be interesting how they integrate that with the customer experience as well you can see hey this romaine lettuce was you know picked or whatever or cut up at x time on x day so you know exactly how fresh it is so hey we'll see what happens there looks pretty interesting i do wonder if any other big market uh, grocery chains are gonna get into the same kind of deal but ibm 
surely is the leader in this space specifically. So they've got their own thing called Food Trust, and it's a blockchain application there. So pretty cool stuff there. Some other news here about the the Department of Energy. They are looking into various blockchain um, applications to help prevent power plant cyber attacks. Remember a few weeks back there was a massive ransomware hit on one of those hydro uh, facilities that produces electricity and here you go. Now they want to help prevent it and they're going to try to do that with blockchain. I don't know how exactly that would work but it'll be intriguing to see how they make that work but hey it's good news. I wonder if IBM will be getting in on this too. I mean heck they might. They seem to be gobbling up all the commercial use of blockchain here lately. All right, some other news here about a Bitcoin trader that got fined for violating money laundering laws. Uh, FinCEN is one of the U.S. um, financial crimes enforcement network, um, FinCEN. So this is the very first time they've done this, too. They penalized a peer-to-peer cryptocurrency exchanger for breaking anti-money laundering AML rules. So that's pretty interesting. I don't know how they would have tied it back to one specific person. Certainly interesting. They said it was happening between 2012 and 2014. But they're basically saying that this guy didn't register himself as a money transmitter or as a money services business. That's why he's getting fined. But it's the first of its kind. He was fined $35,000 for this. So pretty interesting stuff there. I guess I'm more curious. How did they trace it all back to one guy if Bitcoin is so anonymous? But you can read through that article and check out the details there. But feel sorry for that guy. That's uh, a big chunk of change to be paying back just for doing some crypto trading and whatnot for other people. So watch out if you're doing trading for other people and you're sending a bunch of money around. Be careful. Might want to register yourself as a money transmitter to avoid something like this. I'm sure if you do, though, they're going to tax the hell out of you, of course, or give you some other fee that you have to pay to be a money transmitter. But hey, hopefully it's less than 35 k getting a fine. All right, some other news here about a South Korean exchange. I've never heard of these guys, but it's CoinNest, C-O-I-N-N-E-S-T, CoinNest. They closed their doors. There's so many of these fly-by-night exchanges, it seems like, and they're so archaic when you go to their websites. It's so clunky. You know, it's not laid out very well. The trading is slow. The transactions are slow to deposit and withdraw. Not exactly ideal. I've been on a couple of these, and you'll send in Bitcoin, and they say, it could take up to eight hours for it to show in your account. It's like, no, it doesn't. It takes maybe an hour tops. But they don't, I guess they don't refresh their systems enough. And on their side, yeah, it shows up. But to the customer, it's not in their account until about eight hours later. So not exactly ideal for some of these fly-by-night exchanges. But one more reason to stick with the big boys like Binance, Bittrex, Coinbase. Kraken's a pretty good one as well. So the big name ones are the ones that you want to stick with when it comes to trading. You absolutely have to get on one of these smaller ones because you want a specific coin. I totally get it. But hopefully that's few and far between. All right. The last thing I've got in cryptocurrency today is about Bittrex. So Bittrex applied for what's called a bit license. 
and they were denied. And Bittrex essentially came out and said, you know, we don't know why we were denied. We don't do any of the things that the New York State Department of Financial Services said that we do, and blah, 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 defending themselves, essentially. But uh, Bittrex was also saying that, that, hey, the Department of Financial Services didn't provide any kind of guidance or framework, I guess, if you will, to adhere to. So anyway, the the New York State Department of Financial Services came out and they talked about exactly what happened and exactly why they declined them. So the regulators are telling the story that, yes, they did, in fact, uh, tell Bittrex numerous times about the regulatory requirements for the licenses it was trying to get. And they were provided with letters describing its deficiencies so the company could address them. And apparently they were trying to, I guess, persuade the... uh, This is weird. I don't know. This is, I guess you can call it bribing or whatever. They're trying to persuade them to give them the license rather than actually adhering to the regulations and whatnot. So that's a little sketchy on the Bittrex side of things. But some of the things that they list here, they have weak customer due diligence, lack of transaction monitoring, and an absence of experienced compliance staff. So the DFS staff, they communicated with Bittrex and said, hey, you need to go fix these things. Bittrex said, yes, we will. And they just kept failing to meet those requirements. So Bittrex is still trying to be compliant and get the bit license if they can. But they're going to have to implement this transaction monitoring and several other things. So, uh, you know, a customer ID system where it has to, you know, you have to hold up a picture of your ID. You know, Coinbase did this recently where you have to send them a picture of your driver's license, send them a picture of you holding the driver's license with a note saying, you know, the date or whatever and that you're using it to trade on Coinbase. Well, Bittrex is going to have to do something like that as well. And then they're going to have to get some compliance folks internally. To help them with this stuff so this is a huge article about everything so if you want to read it you certainly can but the department of financial services went out to bitrex here in 2019 and they were going to do a review of their bank secrecy act and any anti-money laundering um, controls and whatnot and ofac compliance and all that great stuff and they once again confirmed that bitrex still cannot meet the regulatory requirements. So Bittrex is still promising to meet those requirements. So I guess we'll just see how this plays out over the next few weeks. Certainly crazy stuff there. All right, folks, that's all I had for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles to talk about here on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and have a great weekend.